Welcome to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Get ready for powerful and practical insight on how to let the supernatural power of God loose in your life. Join your host and anointed guests for a crash course of equipping to release God's mighty authority, healing, prophecy, leadership, spiritual warfare, and evangelism. And now, your host, international speaker, author, revivalist, and prophetic voice, Pastor Ren Shuffman. We are talking to my new friend, Scott. Scott is the leader of a ministry called Behind the Wire, but he's talking to us today a little bit about his story, about uh, why they're making a movie out of his life. Hey, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Pastor Ren? Good to, good to be uh, here with you. Thank you, sir. I'm blessed. I'm so excited by your story. I know we had some time to chat this week um, about your story, and I probably got a little bit more behind the scenes, behind the wire than everyone will get today because we want to save a little bit for the movie that's coming out. But before we get into like what the movie is, how in the world did this end up happening? Well, there was a it's a kind of a long story, but uh, I started out getting in a lot of trouble uh, really early on. I was that neighborhood kid that everybody wish would move out of the move somewhere like on the other part of the world, probably. <laughs> so so uh, uh, I, I grew up uh, living a crazy life. You want to hear a little bit about that? How I, how I where I came we're, from? We're all about the crazy background. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so uh, uh, to make a long story short, like I you basically, you know, got in a lot of trouble very early on. Um, I started drinking, using in drugs and got arrested. Um all in the same year when I was 12 years old, was that a coincidence? I'm not sure. Right. So, uh, you know, drinking drugs, arrests all happened together. So, uh, you know, I started on that path. I was that guy that was on a regular customer, uh, in the, in the juvenile detention center. But back then, um, you know, I was first name basis basically. So I, I, I was in that revolving cycle you know, and a part of what I like to say is, you know, when, you, when you're young and you're having that first drink, you're having that first drug, you know, the kids are like, we're just having a good time. But what they really don't realize is they're stepping behind the wire of an invisible prison, a spiritual prison. They don't know that at the time. I didn't know that. I was, I was getting locked up with that first drink and that first drug, and I didn't even realize it, you know, and then it just, you know, once I stepped behind that wire, I became a prisoner, and then I began to get into the system you know, literally going behind razor wire fences as a juvenile. And, uh, you know, back then, you know, if I had a picture, if I had a side by side, it would trip you out. But, they, you know, they wouldn't call me Scott when I'd come in there. They'd say, hey, Ralphie's back because I look like the kid from the Christmas story. Uh, you know, I've like, seen that picture. He's not lying. <laughs> Could have been a stunt double. So, so uh, then here I am. I'm in this cycle. I'm in and out of the juvenile detention centers. Then I graduate to juvenile prisons. And uh, by the time I was 17, the juvenile system was tired of me and uh, they waved me to adult court for a misdemeanor. I got like a PI or some public intox, ended up getting a, uh, you know, waved to adult court, was in jail for the first time at 17. By the time I was 18, I was in adult prison for the first time. And here I am just in that cycle. I was the guy that everybody, everybody knows that this guy that I was always in longer than I was out. And I'd get out and I'd get into trouble quickly. And so I never really gained anything. I never really accomplished anything 
because I was always in a lot longer than I was out. So I was living this life um, just, you know, way less than, you know, than I was born to live. And so here I am, I'm in, in this cycle in and out, in and out adult prison. Like I said, at 18, I get out after a couple of years, I'm right back into adult prison again. I get out, of, I get out for the second time. And, you know, so I would, so basically I was in this cycle all that time. And then at 28 years old, I got about 30 arrests on my record at this point. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making good time you know, on all this, all this in trouble that I was, I was getting into. And I was living in a halfway house and I was, I, I really got deeper into drugs. I got into crack cocaine and that really began to rip my life apart way more than any other drug that I had messed around with. And I was living in a halfway house. I was dating a girl. She got pregnant and she invited me. We, we were going to go out to a, see a movie. So here I, I go. I go to this movie, but I go to a horror movie. You know, I go to a movie called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And, you know, we're there for horror entertainment. And I'm in this movie and I'm watching this film. And halfway through it, I began to experience the presence of God. As weird as that in a is, horror movie, in a horror movie, and I'm like, <laughs> see, God so can like, use anything, right? God can use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He can turn good to e uh, evil to good. Like he's so skilled at that. You you told me something interesting about that movie though that I didn't know about the makers of that movie, right? Right. Yeah. There was like a there's like a Christian oversight over this film. Like there's a message within this horror film of Christ and just. It's it's supposed to be a missional movie in that respect. So, a lot, you know, and that's the setup, really. You know, that's that's you know, that's that's God's M.O. right there. He's always got the setup for you. You know, I could talk about this. So Jehovah Sneaky gets you to right. this horror movie. And right. You have this encounter. Go ahead. So I'm in this theater and I began to hear the I, I began to experience the presence of God and. And even though I see at this point, I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't know anything about God. Uh, didn't even know if I believed in God. But here I am knowing it was God. It's like when God comes on the scene, there's it's unrecognizable. I mean, you, you know, like you there's I began to shake like a leaf, you know, and I'm crying. My I began to cry. And so I had to go out into the parking lot and my girlfriend's like, what is going on, man? And I'm like. I didn't even know how to explain what was going on. I look back and I look back now and I'm like, God tapped me on the shoulder, you know, and I look back and it's just, and, you know, I'm out there and I'm trying to, you know, figure out what's going on. And I, we go back to her apartment and I, I'm like, let's get the yellow pages out. You know, anybody seen any of those lately, right? <laughs> that book with phone numbers in it. Right. So we're, we're looking through the, I'm looking through the, the yellow pages, trying to find a church, just any kind of Christian, church that I didn't know even what kind of church to call. I just knew that it was Christ, you know, and I'm calling around. I didn't get anybody. And then the next day I get picked up on a felony warrant to go to the county jail in, that I didn't know that I even had. And so that that's more of the setup that God had. Like he taps on my shoulder in this horror film. The very next day I go into a county jail because I have a warrant. And here's what I and, and I did something I had never done after all those 30 arrests is that I said, I need a Bible. And I began to read the Bible and I'm searching the scriptures. I'm trying to find answers. I'm trying to figure out what had happened into that theater. And about two weeks into that sentence, they had a church service in the county jail. 
And I go, you know, and I hear the gospel for the first time and it wrecked me. I mean, I was ready, you know, all that pride, all that rebellion, getting crushed and being humbled over those years. When I heard that good news, it hit my heart, you know, and I came forward. I had tears in my eyes and I'm in a I'm in a jail environment, 50, 60 guys. I would never have cried in that kind of environment. I didn't cry very much at all, you know, literally, but definitely not in front of 60 guys in a prison environment. But here I am weeping after hearing this. I go forward. I, pro I profess Christ. And this was a massive turning point in my life. And here's the thing, like when I was when I was a kid, five, six years old, I was at some family function and, and a cat died and somebody explained to me uh, what death was at like five, six years old. And it just terrified me And like a spirit of fear came into my life. I had night terrors. I'd get up screaming all around my house, waking everybody up in the house my whole childhood. And as an adult, I was terrified to death. And that was like the irony of my life. Like I'm living on the edge of death, but I'm terrified of it at the same time. And when I profess Christ, that spirit of fear came off. And like, I, I, I mean, I'm crying. I turn to the people that are up there with me and I'm like, man, if I die, I know where I'm going, you know? And it was like, for me, that, that was with me my whole life. That fear of death was with me my whole life. It, I was a prisoner to that, let alone a prisoner to all the other things that I was locked up. But it was like, man, you know, so freedom came. Freedom that I never know had came, you know. So I get shipped off to prison uh, for the third time. You know, I was going into a sentence. I get my Bible. I'm reading it. I'm going to church seven days a week. My son's born while I'm in prison. I, I hold my son and meet him for the first time in a prison visiting room. And I'm telling this woman, I'm going to marry her. I'm telling my son, I'm going to be there for him. And I get out and she doesn't want, she's not interested in me anymore. My story isn't, you know, I accepted Christ and my life began to ramp up. Like I accepted Christ and all hell broke loose. And even though I had dramatically changed inside my whole world stayed the same. And so here I am stepping into as this new person, but no support of any other people. I didn't know anybody else. There was this, you know, everybody else is looking at me like, you know, the same guy that I always had been And But on the inside, something had happened. God had done something very powerful. Well, you know, and what I like to say, I get out of, I get out of prison. She leaves. I try to do what's right, you know, and here I am. Uh, I don't have the support. I don't have the people. And I like to say the stronger culture wins, even though I was in this relationship with God. I believe that I was in right relationship with God, um, that this mind was still crazy mess, you know, and I didn't have people around uh, to be able to walk with me in that way. And I, I drifted back into the thing and it got worse, just like the Bible says, you know, that, you know, I was, you know, not doing what I was all supposed to be doing. And here comes it coming like seven times worse than it was. So I go down deeper. And um, and the thing is, is and after all that came and broke loose like that, um, you know, I try to take the I tried to take the easy way out. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am better off. I'm listening to these voices. I don't have Christian people around me telling me, 
you know? And so I'm listening to all these other things. Maybe it is better off that I should be not here. So I try to take myself out and put 40 stitches in my arm. Thank God that through a chain of events wow. that I got found and, and I, I lived, you know, and, um, you know, a couple months after that, you know, my ex felt sorry for me. And they, she said, you know, I'll let you see your son because she took my son away from me when I got out and said, oh, you're never going to see him, you know, and I, that was another thing that kind of just wrecked me right there, you know. And so um, she let me see him for the night. So after a couple of hours of me having my son, I ended up getting some alcohol and I got drunk. And after I got drunk, I drove out to uh, a crack house. I locked my son in the car, went into a crack house. He's one and a half years old at this time. So this is, this is, and, and I'm in a relationship with God. I, something had powerfully had happened, but my mind was still a nightmare. And, um, you know, and I, I drive to him, I drive out there, lock him in the car, in the dark, in a bad neighborhood, in the middle of the night, drunk. I'm in there getting cracked, smoking it. I come out, he's terrified. He climbed out of his baby seat. He's on my, in the front seat, crying in the, alone in the dark. And, uh, you know, and you'd think that that would have woke me up, snapped me out of it. Well, I got in the car. I couldn't put him back in the baby seat because he was too afraid. He was terrified. So I'm holding him and I'm driving the car drunk with him in one hand and in the other hand, smoking crack. That's oh. how screwed up I was. And so I left the, I left my cell phone there somehow. Wasn't an accident. Okay. At this crack house. So my son's mother calls my phone trying to see how things are going. Somebody answers the phone and tells him. And then she goes to the apartment where I was living and, and call, talks to the neighbors and, and found out that I was drunk. And so literally like within a few hours, everybody knew what I had done. So God wasn't going to let that sin, you know, not be found out, you know? And so she, great, she, she gets his, gets her son back. Like, you'll never see him again. What I do. I'm like, there's no way, man. I, I got in trouble again. There was felonies hanging over my head. Um, she says that you'll never see your son again. And, um, you know, I'm at that place again. I'm like, I tried to kill myself once. It didn't work. You know, I, I need to just, you know, I'm sick of me. Everybody else is sick of me. I got these felonies. I haven't been able to accomplish anything in all these years. I can't see my kid anymore for good reason. I don't blame anybody that would want me to have be around my kid again. Like I'm done. Like, so I got a bunch of pills drank a case of beer, took a bunch of pills. And I'm like, I'm done. You know, And about five hours later, I woke up shocked. I mean, shocked because I thought for sure that I'd be dead this time. And I could hear the Holy spirit whispering. It ain't over till I say it's over. Wow. It ain't over till I say it's over. I mean, and it just, again, wrecked me. God so present in, in all of this, you know, and just, calling, calling me, calling to me, you know, speaking to my heart and like, just, and I, you know, it freaked me out because I thought I, when I woke up, I mean, I was utterly shocked. I didn't think I would be alive again. And it, it scared me, you know? And I'm like, man. And so I called my dad in Florida. I'm like, I got to get out of this state. I'm like, that is, I need to get out of here. You know, can I, can you help? And so he said, no drinks, you know, no alcohol, no drugs, you know, gave me the list. You can come down here. I left Indiana, ran from those felonies that was up there, went down there, stayed with him. Within 24 hours, I was drunk. He kicked me out on the street. So 
So now after all these years, I'm about 30, 30 years old around this time. And after all these years, I never really had anything, like I said earlier, and I jumped from house to house, you know, I'd get out for a little bit. I'd live there, I live here, work a little bit here, whatever, never really accomplished anything or never really had anything, but I always had a place that I could go because I knew so many people, you know? And so now when I get kicked out of the street with my, with my dad in, a, in Florida, he's the only person I knew in the whole state. So when I got kicked out on the street, like I was out on the street for real. So the, I began to live this homeless existence and I was the guy, I was that crackhead out on the street, standing on a corner of a convenience store, begging people for change. I became that. And living on the side of buildings, I slept in dumpsters on cold nights. So like I'd sleep on the beach in the woods. I remember sleeping under this big bush one night in Florida and I woke up and there was ants covered me and they ate me alive. I mean, I had hit bumps everywhere all over me. It was just disgusting. And just living that lifestyle, I'd take a shower out on the beach. Sometimes I'd go a week or two without a shower. And this went on for a couple of years uh, because I'm pretty hard headed. And so I'm out there on the street <laughs> and just living this life, you know, and it's just it's horrible. You know, the existence. And, you know, one day I was uh, I got up enough change, got it. I got up enough change to uh, uh, get get a drink. So I go into the liquor store, I get my bottle with my paper bag. You know, I'm walking down the street in Florida. You can't drink out on the street or they'll arrest you quick. So I had to go find a place to drink it. So I went under this bridge, drink the bottle, get done, come walking down the street in this rough area. And I walk up to this, walking by this homeless shelter and this guy's out there and he's like, Hey man, you know, we're out there talking about whatever. And then Jesus gets brought up and he, and we're talking about Christ. And he's like, Hey, I want you to hear this, this CD, man. He's like, let me, let me run. He's staying in the homeless shelter. So he goes into this homeless shelter and, uh, he comes out and it's actual CD player, man, with an actual CD in it. <laughs> you remember those <laughs> little headset? So I put this, I put this headset on it and I start to listen and it's a CD of a, it's a preacher and he's talking about potential and he's talking about calling and he's talking about how that there's so many people in the world that have this high calling on their life and they don't even know it. They're just living a random life. Uh, with 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 no rhyme or no reason, no target for their life. And he's like, I tell you the truth. He said, there's he said, there's a homeless man drinking out of a paper bag right now under a bridge that will out preach anybody in this church. And I just lost it. And it's just God again, so present in my filthy existence saying identity, my son purpose so much greater than this where you are i love you this is not who you are you are my son that i have a calling that i have a purpose and it just wrecked me you know i'm just out there weeping with this guy <laughs> some homeless guy you know like just god's reaching out to me you know speaking identity when i'm living in the mud you know i ended up I ended up getting an arrest and everything while I was down in Florida and I ended up running from there. I mean, that really shook me up and I hitchhiked 2000 miles to Arizona. And, uh, you know, when I, people's like, you know, Oh, it's a little rain and I don't think I'm going to go to church, man. I'm like, you better get committed or something, man. I walked like 2000 miles somewhere, but anyway, I'll talk about that in a little while, but you know, you, you got, like, I'll Come tell on, you, you live outside. I'm 
I'm a senior pastor. You could say that to people. Somebody <laughs> needs to hear that. <laughs> you know, I'll get to that a little bit, but I'll tell you, living out on the street will change you. The things that used to bother you won't still bother you anymore. And it really toughened me up in a lot of different ways. Uh, but, you know, living out there, I ended up hitchhiking 2000 miles and I was just making my way there panhandling from gas station to gas station and getting ride from gas station to gas station truck stops and just trying to make my way sleeping outside. And, uh, you know, I ended up crawling into a dumpster. I think it was in Alabama one night when it was really cold out and I climbed up in a dumpster and I was laying in the dumpster trying to be warm over the night. And I was just laying in there crying, just thinking about how did I get here, man? How did I, how did I get to this place? And just so sad about my life and just wanting to quit and just wanting to die. It had been a days since I've ate anything and I'm just done, you know, again, you know, I'm just asking to God, I just want to die. I just don't want to live like this anymore. I just can't take it, you know? And, you know, I'm laying there all through the night and I hear these footsteps coming towards the dumpster. So I take this garbage and I put it over me because I don't want to freak somebody out. They open the dumpster if they're coming to the dumpster and some guy's laying in there, you know? So I put this garbage over me and, um, I hear something going to the garbage can and, and then I hear the footsteps going away. And then when they went away, I crawled up out of the garbage and I looked and it was a cardboard box. And I didn't realize this when I crawled into the garbage can that it was behind a gas station. And cause it was late and I was just out of it, you know, and, and, and I looked in the box and it was full of gas station food from the night that they were, they were throwing away from the, the hot food, like pizza pockets, French fries, potato wedges and like at my that point in my life that was like my favorite food all right <laughs> my wife will say it still is no it's not it's not that's true but there i am in there you know ready to die this food comes into the you know i'm praying to god kill me and here it is this food lands this whole box of just hot good food and part of my story is god loves me so much that he sent room service to a dumpster, man. That he ah, sent room on. service to a dumpster that he loves me that much that he would get that to me. You know what? And here he is again. God is there so present in my filthy mess, just loving me, saying, I got more for you that I'm, I'm here with you. I hate that you're going through this, but I love you, you know? And it's just, and that all of these things just kept happening over and just God just coming into just loving me even through that, even when I'm fighting and doing this. And I ended up getting to Arizona. I'm, I'm homeless out there for a while. And after a few years of this, I just get so exhausted. I, I call a family member and ask if they'd give me a train ticket to come back to Indiana that I had felonies that I had ran from back a few years ago. So I, I they, they get me a ticket and I come back to Indiana to turn myself in. And then, you know, I had to go hang out with some friends and have a few drinks before I turn myself in. Right. Well, five felonies later, I'm in get, wow. get more felony convictions while I was there in this other county. So I deal with that. I got to go do do some time for that. And then as soon as I'm done with that, they transport me over to the other county where I had the felonies waiting from the years earlier. So then I go off to prison again. I pick my Bible back up and I'm reading. I, and Jerry, I love that so you're, I love you're not saying charges. Like everything you're saying is felonies, not yes. just charges. They're all felonies. How, did you ever add up how many felonies you received? There's probably at least 50 or 60. I mean, obviously I, I would get, that's the testimony right there. There is no way you should be walking. Yeah. 
<laughs> Crazy. In the streets. Okay, there's like just that alone would be enough to make a movie out of your life. Just that alone, the fact that you're sitting in front of me talking and I don't see a guard standing beside you right now is a testimony, but it gets better. Come on, keep going. <laughs> uh, uh, so I ended up back over there and I had to go do a couple more years. I go off to prison, pick my Bible back up. And I'm reading Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And I'm just seeking him. And God is just doing incredible things, like in just incredible supernatural things. Uh, you know, while I was in prison, you know, I don't I don't get it real heavy into all of that because it kind of weirds people out. But, man, God did some incredible, incredible things and just opened my eyes. I had you're on DNA of a dangerous church where all about the power of the supernatural on here so you are free to weird everyone out <laughs> so i started i started just you know just started witnessing just different supernatural things in threes and at that point i didn't know that it was three that what three was about that you know divine perfection and that's god's signature and i just didn't know anything about that and so i was seeing these incredible things in threes that god was showing me supernaturally like things that i was visually seeing and so um there was one night that I was laying in bed and I was thinking about these things that I, I was seeing that he was letting me see. And I knew that they were supernatural. And I'm like, I'm in prison. I'm like, what is going on? And then just one night I'm, I'm thinking back and forth and all these things that he's been showing me and like, just, and then just one moment. And like, when I read Paul, the scales came off, they came off and I was fully aware of Christ. Come on. And I could, I could see his presence. When I looked at people, I'm like, whoa. I'm like, it was so obvious that they were God's creatures. Like God is so present in everything. Like I could see that I was breathing him in. Like he's even in the atmosphere. Like I'm looking at people and I'm just like, whoa. I'm like, and I just got out of my bunk and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it. And I was just crying because all those years and all those things that were happening as I kept falling and coming back after I professed Christ and falling and coming back, falling and coming back. I'm like believing because something, something real had happened. And now here I am, the lights came on, like those scales that I believed that were, that something was beyond that. I was, I was in it. I could see it. I was a part of it. And I was never the same. I was never the same. And, you know, people say, I believe I have faith. I believe and I have faith. But God, when that night, God opened me up to know that I know that I know who he is and I know what it, that it's real, you know, and I, you know, for whatever God's reason is, God chose to do whatever he did. But that night changed everything. Like I didn't even talk the same. I didn't even walk the same there was such a transformation that I just, I don't even know, even know how to explain it, but I usually don't even talk about that to people, but God did something so incredible that I just don't even understand what it was or how, how it was, but I was never the same. And when I left that prison, it was just, there was nothing was ever the same. And like, but everything outside of that never changed. So I like came out of there like this different person, literally like, you know, like I think about the demoniac, you know, like he was cutting himself, screaming, chained up naked, just a nightmare. 
Christ came and set him free and he was sitting up and talking in normal. That's exactly, you know, that when you said that, he's like, that's a miracle. Those felonies. He's like that. He's even sitting here with me without a guard. When you were saying that, I was thinking about the demoniac. Come it's on. like, that's what happened. Like whoever I was, it was like, I don't know, you know, and then God, bam. Who the and son sets free is free and D. Yeah. Yeah. I became who I was born to be, you know, and now I get to live who I live out what God had in mind when I was born, when, when God's like, I'm choosing you to, you know, bring you to the world. Like he had this idea. Well, then I came into that idea, you know, and it's just, it's crazy to me. Like everything that's happened since then is a miracle. It's, it's a miracle on what God has done and what he's continued to do. I get out of prison that time. I mean, I didn't have any clothes, I, the clothes that I was wearing. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any support with any family because I'd burned all those bridges, friends. Everybody was tired of me. I got out this new man, and, but I didn't have any more excuses. Like people said, go to NA and A meetings. I went to them. I didn't care. I was like, I'm following Christ, not a higher power. I'll go to the, I'll go wherever I think God's at. I went to church. I got, I found a church. I got plugged in. And I, I was like seven, eight miles away from this church. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have a car. I was riding my bike. I was walking. I became a part. It, one of the, the main campus was a portable campus at this time. They were running about a thousand people. And I was riding my bike at 430 in the morning to go load in, you know, and I'm crying. Like, think that I was just grateful. I get to be a part of the team that they were allowing me to even help to be in there with them, you know, and just to be a part of this thing. So I'm just, you know, I, you know, my whole life is just different, you know? And so here I am, I'm plugged in, I'm going to NA meetings, AA meetings, and, you know, I'm riding my bike, I'm walking, I'm, I'm getting there. It doesn't matter if it was snowing. I rode, I was riding my bike to church in the snow, like eight miles. So when people's like, there's a little bit of rain outside, I'm not going, I'm like, you better get serious. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> hey, I, I went to, I went to Kenya one time, and the pastor was explaining to me how frustrated he was. We were in the village in Kenya because these people were walking into church, you know, thirty minutes, forty five minutes late, and he was so frustrated. He's like, "Pastor, it's just ridiculous. They know what time church is. They know how long it takes them to walk the five miles. Leave your house at the right time." <laughs> and I and I just shook my head at him and I said, man, you would not be okay in America. I said, it is sprinkling outside. They will not drive one mile, you know? So, so here you are fully committed. I think God uses people who are fully committed in that way. Uh, and yeah. just, just real quick, in case you're just tuning in right now, I just want you to know, we're talking to Scott Heiberger uh, and we are talking to him about his ministry behind the wire. He wrote a book uh, called behind the wire that has now been turned into a real life movie. In case I didn't show that to you guys, uh, Joey Lawrence is playing you in the movie and it's got Michael W. Smith pardoned by grace. And we're talking to him about the real life story. So this is the real guy right here. Uh, uh, better looking than Joey Lawrence. That's what I said earlier. Uh, but we could do a side by side comparison if we need to to confirm that but uh the real life story of him there there he is with joey lawrence if you're watching us uh and uh, we want you to watch this movie when it comes out but we're talking to him about his ministry and his life story behind the wire is his ministry all right keep going so tell me what happens you're out you're going to church uh, you're you're chasing after it yeah everything everything's changing i'm just going for it you know and god you know god puts these people around me, you know, I'd done burn the bridges, everybody that ever knew me. So here God's setting up a whole new 
set of people, you know, and that's a big part of what I'm into today. I'll get to that. But like, that's what I really believe in because people like me just, they, they, they burn every bridge. They hurt all the people that know them the most. They hurt them the most. Right. And so and when, when people get serious about wanting to change their life, they're usually going to need a new set of people. You know, they're going to need some other Christian people that's going to come around them and really help them get that start up. And then, then, then family and friends will start coming around later after they see some consistency. Well, you know, so I'm, I'm just added everything. I'm at every church service. I'm going to NA meetings, AA meetings. They're, they're like, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. I went to 200 meetings in 180 days. Like I was just after it, you know, I was so crazy about doing all the wrong things. And God made me that way to do things, the right things. I'm like, I'll get some stuff done, you know, come on. <laughs> and my wife says I got one speed, you know, but um, <laughs> so it's just I, I'm just really, uh, you know, going after it, getting involved everywhere that I can. And, you know, I ended up sitting down with the pastor. Um, I ended up sitting down with the, the senior pastor after about two months of being in the church. And I just felt a conviction. Like I needed to tell him like who I was because I wasn't talking about my past to anybody. I was just serving. I'm like, put me in coach. I'll, I'll sweep the floors. I'll clean toilets. I'll mop. You know, I'm like, I'm a good mopper, man. No, I didn't say that I learned a lot of how to mop in prison, but anyway, <laughs> well, I didn't, wasn't in there trying to tell everybody, you know, like my past, I just kept my mouth shut, my head down. And I just wanted to be involved and just, I just was so grateful for that. And I ended up meeting with the senior pastor about two months into the, into, uh, you know, me serving. And I just wanted to tell him who I was. And I sat down really nervous and scared, you know, and I, just, I wasn't used to being welcome for a good reason, you know? So I get, began to tell him, you know, and, and, and then he just said, I already knew. He's like, people are already, already said. And, um, I don't know why every time I tell us it makes me like Brett gets me, gets me, <laughs> but he's like, of course you're welcome here. You know, and for the normal person, big deal for me, you're welcome here. That, that was, that was massive. I heard about your life and it's okay. You're welcome. You know? And so I just got, I just continued to just get involved. And after about a year, I applied to be on their internship. And at this point, they've really doubled. They're probably about a 2000 person church. It's really growing like crazy. And, and it's just a really, you know, they're just doing a big work in this area. And um, I applied for their internship and their internship was a really big deal. You know, they was just, it was a really, you know, a heavy vetting process. And just, so I applied for that. And then in the meantime, while I applied for that, I get into a Bible study and I'm sitting there in a Bible study and I, this woman across the table from me, I end up meeting her name is Danielle. She ends up uh, becoming my wife. We just uh, celebrated uh, eight years uh, back in October of marriage. And, um, you know, that's always it. That's always a testimony itself that I didn't have to go here or there or go there or go down the street or the bar, or, you know, that go look around. Like I just followed God with my whole heart and I ran right into her face to face, right on the other side of the table with a, in uh in a bible study you know and so we're 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 in that we're in this bible study for you know a couple of weeks and we go on this mission this this outreach into a the inner city of chicago and we're out there for like eight hours and i get to talk to her like you know kind of one-on-one for the first time we're just in a bible study class you know the whole time and then you know I go eight hours without sharing anything about jail or prison or drugs or alcohol <laughs> miraculously. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so, so I felt guilty at the end of the day after we left and I didn't tell her really anything about me. And that was my whole resume at that point in time. So I don't know how I skirted around all of that, you know, not telling her anything about anything. But so I did what any mighty man of God would do, any strong man, you know, brave man of God would do. I sent her a Facebook message. <laughs> <laughs> and my blue paint on, I was brave hearting it, you know, but <laughs> come on. <laughs> so I told her and then, you know, the funnier response is, is that she was intrigued and she's like, Hey, do you want to go get something to eat? <laughs> so, so we went out to dinner and I took her to Denny's because I'm a fancy guy. Come on. That's right. <laughs> and that's uh, the first place I took my wife. <laughs> True story. First place. Really? Yeah. First place. Denny's? Yeah. Denny's. Denny's. Yeah. Denny's was the first place. Someone tried to stab me at Denny's because I was taking her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? See, I got my own hardcore stories. Okay. Yeah. All right, Coke. Keep going. <laughs> so, Denny's. All right. So now we know it's going to work out because it worked out for me. It's got to work. <laughs> Guys, find a Denny's. It's worked right, out for both right. of us. Full proof, man. Full proof. Full proof. You really want to sweep a woman off her feet, take her to Denny's. You guys thought that you were supposed to go somewhere else. Just didn't. So, uh, so uh, every year on our anniversary, we always go to Denny's because we don't want to forget where God brought us from. Right. So we go to Denny's every every year. And, uh, you know, we hit we hit it off together immediately. We started doing ministry together. We started doing small groups together while we were dating. And we just really knew within a month I proposed. She said yes. A couple months after that, we were married. You told her and about your past before that, right? Yes. We're, we're, okay. We're in a month. So I'm, I'm just making sure. Okay. All right. The whole thing. Good. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so now you're doing ministry. <laughs> yeah. So we go, we go through premarital counseling for a couple of months and all that to, to make sure, you know, so everybody knew what we we're, what we we're doing. And so we did it. And then we, uh, we ended up getting married and we started just serving together, you know, doing ministry together. I got accepted into the internship program. Uh, in that first year, I, we applied to get into a first prison and it was like one of those Hail Mary passes, you know, let's see what happens. And God miraculously opens a door to go into a prison. Like I was completely stunned. Like the, the prison got my application. They're like, whoa, you know, and they're like, man, you got a long record. So the, the director of called me from like human resources and we're on the phone talking and, you know, we get she's going through a 30 page rap sheet with me and we, she gets halfway through reading it and she's like, man, my back's starting to hurt. And I'm like, think about my back. I live those pages, you know, <laughs> you know, think about me. And so we get through this whole process. Right. I'm like, so what is your, pro what, what is your place in this thing? You know? And she's like, uh, you know, I just, I go through the application with you and your record and all this. And, and she's like, and then I make an evaluation and I give it to the warden. Then the warden will make a decision. He'll send it off to the volunteer director and the volunteer director will get a hold of you within a couple of weeks. That's what she said. I said, okay, get off the phone with her. 10 minutes later, that lady's calling me back. She's calling me back and she's like, Scott, she's like, you know, I told you this, that, and the other that, you know, I send it off to this there. And, and I never call anybody back, you know, from my evaluations of their volunteers. And she's like, but I wanted to tell you that the warden has already approved you and you're coming into this prison. I mean, mic drop, mic drop. Wow. I mean, over the years, this is so evident of how in control God is of opening closed doors, just in that I've experienced in my own life is that we'll have people with a misdemeanor or two or one or 
barely anything, they don't get to come in. Here I am with a 30-page rap sheet, felony upon felony upon felony, and God is like, boom, opens his door, and we're in there. We just start doing it. I mean, we're, 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 we got this class going. We have a service going. We're, we're just expanding, expanding. We go to another prison, then another prison, and then the county jail, and then another prison, and then we're just we're in like 10 prisons, you know, like God's just blowing this thing up. And through the process, I graduate from the first year of the internship. Then I graduate from the second year of the internship. And then I'm then I'm a part of the leadership staff. Then I get become a licensed pastor. And we're just in like a dozen prisons. And we're just reaching thousands of prisoners at this point all around the state of Indiana. And God is just doing incredible, incredible things. It's like unimaginable, you know, the, the doors that God's opening and all that he's doing, um, you know, but it didn't come, all that came with a lot of, a lot of painful things that I had to, that I was going through and dealing with, having to deal with a lot of past things that were popping up. We all reap what we sow. So no matter if we're full steam ahead from God, things are going to start cropping up and they were, they were coming up, you know, different things uh, throughout the years. Like, you know, my mom ends up getting cancer. I lead her to Christ so I got to lead my mom to Christ. She Amen. passes away. I got to be there with her while she passed away. She got to see her son whole, you know, and well, and just, you know, like that demoniac, like sitting up and well, you know, just got my mother got to see that, you know, and she and I know that she's on the other side waiting for me as well, you know. So it's a beautiful thing that God did with that. But it was a painful process to go through that. And uh, I try to get back in my son's life and. uh I found out I go to I get an attorney, find out that he got adopted. She his mother got married. I wasn't on the birth certificate because I had I was in prison when he was born. So he signed for him. So when I try to get custody, I find out that he's adopted. And the judge said that you're dead in the water. There's nothing that can be done. You know, and that just crushed me. And right about this time, we're applying to get in a juvenile prison that I had lived in like 25 years earlier. And they were all excited. They heard about all the work that we were doing and they wanted us to come into the jail. I mean, into the juvenile prison. And then they, they, they do a background check and a felony warrant pops up Oof. from like nearly 10 years ago in Florida. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. You know? And I, and then here I am. So I'm a licensed pastor. We're working at a, a thriving church. God is doing incredible things all around the state of Indiana, my wife and I are living a dream, you know, we're just, I mean, all these hard things are still happening. You know, you hire, you go in leadership, the more responsibility, the more pain, the more struggles, all those things Absolutely. are happening. And so all that's happening, you know, and the influence that God has given us is just incredible. And then, you know, now I'm red flagged and I can't go in any jails or prisons now. So you so built this like, giant uh, prison ministry. Where right. All, like, like you're not just going to one prison on the weekend. You have built something substantial. Right. And now all of a sudden it's taken away from you because the devil wants to remind you of your past. Right. Wow. And we got all these volunteers. We have dozens of volunteers that are serving in all these different capacities that we've trained up over the years. And then they're leading these different things. And God's just doing this incredible thing. And we're just so blessed. And then here I am, when I get this news, I'm like, Whoa, you know, and I'm trying to find out, like, what am I looking at? And I find out it's four felonies. And in Florida, and I found out it, that I was looking at 20 years because I had ran and they were felonies. 
and I had an ankle monitor and I cut it off. I was on house arrest and I, you know, I tried to put all, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about it, but I'm trying to hoping that it would just disappear somehow. Right. doesn't work that way. So I find out that this came up over all these years, which it never did before, you know? So in the back of my mind, way back in there, there's always this kind of fear, like something's going to happen, you know? And, but God has just blessed us exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope for. Right. And we're living this thing. And I'm like, I find out it's a 20 year sentence hanging over my head and they are, they wouldn't offer a plea agreement unless I come down there and they wouldn't even talk a deal. Then I find out it's non-extraditable, meaning that like, if I don't get near the state of Florida, they won't come all the way up to Indiana to get me because I'm a thousand miles away. So you can just simply live out the rest of your days in peace with your wife, living a good life on leadership at church. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you just don't go to Florida to vacation. So no Disneyland for you. Um, and, and you, you can just stay there and live out your life, but you can't go into the prisons anymore. Is, is that right? Right. Exactly. So, so that's where you're at. Right. And for me, you know, it was either stay up here, stay up and stay up north and be safe. But at the same time, be out of the whole reason why I was born that I felt that I Oof. still feel that I was born to be a minister of the gospel to the incarcerated population. I believe that I was that God has fashioned me in whatever ways to, to that. That is my mission. And for me to not be able to do that, what's the even point of living? That's the that's that, that's where I was at with it. So you're, you're having to choose between safety and identity. So some exactly. people on here right now that are listening are in that place where as they start to step forward and who they're and they finally start to become who they're called to be, the enemy crops back up and tries to derail them from their destiny. And he always offer offer safety. I found one thing about who God is when it comes to identity and purpose. God is not calling us into a life of safety. Nothing he ever offered the disciples was safety. He's calling you to be dangerous. That's the whole point. And so you're faced with this dangerous predicament. And right. that's exactly what DNA of a dangerous church is. People who trust God over the world system. And you're having to trust God in this, in this dilemma you're in. Continue. So for me, I had to, you know, I, you know, I drew a line in the sand many years before that, that me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, no matter what it, what it takes, what it costs. And I'm like, I got to hop on a plane. I got to face this thing, you know, and I'm like, I fear God more than I fear the consequences of that judge down there. And I want to live out God's plan for my life, no matter the, no matter the cost. So I'm like, I got to get on a plane and I'm going to go down there and face this thing. And, you know, just God putting the, putting just really blessing me in so many ways. Like, you know, I sat down with our pastors and they're like, Whoa, you know, and they're like, all right, well, if this is what you feel like God's saying, you know, like we're going to be supportive of you. And they really, you know, I mean, really shocked me by their response. Their response was, we're going to pay for the, your attorney. And when you go down there, you don't, don't, your wife is not going to have to worry about things and don't worry about financial things because we're going to, your, your check's going to still come in every Friday. Just hurry up and get back. You know, that's what they said. Wow. So I'm sitting in that. So I go and turn myself in and I'm sitting in the county jail and I'm still my paycheck still coming in every week to handle everything. You know, that's the kind of people that God put around me to be able to help me, you know, and 
in, in, in what I like in, in, you know, I'm, I go to, I go to the, go to the courthouse. And what I like to say is when I was down there committing those crimes, when I was down there committing those crimes, um, I didn't have, if I had a quarter in my pocket, I had nobody to call, but I had people getting on planes, flying a thousand miles to stand there with me and, and, and witness for me in tears to the judge saying how I've positively affected. I mean, it was wrecking me hearing how I've affected their lives in the, in a positive way where they were willing to jump on planes and travel a thousand miles to stand there and speak to a judge on my behalf, you know? And, um, so we go down there, you know, and I'm sitting in the County jail for like three weeks, you know, in this whole time, be at that time that that song, no longer slaves is really rocking in the, in, and God was really ministering to me about parting the red sea. Like God was speaking to me, you know, like, I'm going to part the Red Sea for you, you know, like, but there's like this, you know, you know how God is. He's like, you, you know, you move and I'm going to move, you know, I'm always going to do what I say I'm going to do, but are you going to follow me? You know, are you going to follow what I That's say? Right. And, you know, So I'm following what I believe God's telling me, you know, they're telling me the court is telling me you got 20 years hanging over your head. You're not even going to come down here until you get a plea agreement. And, you know, we're not, and then I find out I get down there, there was no plea agreement. And then, so I'm just sitting in there and I'm, I'm starting to get nervous, man. You know, I'm like in there for two weeks and you know how your flesh is. They're like, Hey, did, was, did God really say, <laughs> you know? So, and I started kind of freaking out a little bit, but I'm like, you know what? I just, I knew that God was telling me that this is what I needed to do. And no matter what, it was going to be all right. Whether I go into prison for 20 years or not, if I'm going to be the missionary, my wife's, you know, just like you got to do what God's telling you to do, you know? And so thank God for a godly wife that loves God more than me, you know, because she's right there saying, like, you got to do what God's telling you to do. And I'm going to be there, you know, so we're, we're in this thing together. Well, we get down there and there's no plea agreement. And then um, there are a plea agreement for a couple of years comes on the table with the prosecutor. And and the judge denies it. He's like, no, nope. he's like, the only thing I'm going to take is an open 20. So you, you get the DA to give you a plea agreement for, for a couple yeah. of years. So you've said, yes, I'm going to have to face these charges because you've never once in all of this, you've never denied that you did what they were charging you with. Right. That you exactly. were responsible. So you're, fa you're, you're facing the music. Right. You're owning up to your past. You're dealing with it so that you can could some of you guys need to catch this for your life. Some of you are running from who you were, like somehow it disqualifies you instead of realizing that the enemy can't hold your past against you. But here it is. He's facing worldly consequences because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there are natural consequences. He's dealing with it. They're offering him years and you signed it. I was so you, like, I had to. <laughs> I was right. Like, now, you feel free to leave that hanging wherever you want, because I want people to see what God does. So you leave that hanging wherever you want. Does he get time in jail? How many years does he spend? Uh, you know, what happens with his family? Like, how does this completely end? You you finish it off wherever you want. I don't want to I don't want this to be the spoiler alert unless you want to tell the whole story. But yeah. but just just the commitment. To say I'm going to do what I need to do to make sure that, that I get to live out my identity, even if I have to put my life on hold so that I can finish my race in the lane I was called to. You guys get that? Like you, you could have just coasted out your life 
and continued right. to, to be an inspiration in another. Well, I guess I'll just I'll live my life for Jesus in another capacity. I guess I'm just kicked out of this. And you could have rationalized that, but instead you decided that the enemy was not going to take your identity, even if he, if he managed to somehow delay it. Right. Yeah. There was no turning back. You know, when I said, yes, there was just no turning back. And I had to face this. I had people saying, man, you're crazy, you know, to go down there because Florida, a lot of people, when they think of Florida, they're like, it's the sunshine state. And we go to vacate there and this, that, and the other, but people that know the state of Florida know that their judicial system is tough like it's like people know texas is hardcore well florida is just like that florida does not play you know they they got they got laws where you get a couple of felonies like they got they got three strikes you're out like you're you're in for forever it's called natural life they don't even have parole in florida so if you get locked up you're doing your whole sentence like they don't have programming to get time cuts like all the stuff that a lot of different states have florida doesn't have any of that so when I was when they were talking 20, they're talking 85 percent with no chance of getting it less. You know, wow. so I'm looking at how whatever 85 percent is of, you know, whatever 85 percent is of 20. That's a long time, you know. So uh, that would have that would have been a big change in my life to get that. So when they said a couple of years, I'm like, that sounds like the miracle that God was talking about because, you know, God's vision for my life is always going to be bigger than my perception of it. But I know that God's got a massive vision, but you know, I, you know, a couple of years off of 20 sounds great. And then, and then the judge is like, no, I will not accept this. I want the whole 20 on the table. Like, come on, what a gut punch to stand through like, you know, just, just right there. There's so many people that say, you know, I I felt like God was moving and then I had the rug ripped out from underneath me. Uh, You know, they had something like that where they had a compromise that seemed uh, like it was going, you know, even as you're saying this, I'm thinking about this new church building that we just took over and, and we're dealing with like uh, the insurance company and the roof. And are we going to get them to approve it? Are we not? Which is not even anywhere near what you're, you're going through, but I'm thinking about even just my own small battles that I'm fighting, that I'm going through and thinking about those small, Oh, they denied it. Oh, gut punch. And and Mm -hmm. thinking about your story and not camping in the middle of the story. And not allowing yourself to be taken out in the middle of your story without knowing how it ends. Right. You know, when I was in the, when I was in the County jail, like I, 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 I got onto another thing real quick, but just to rewind it, when I was in the County jail down there and I was getting nervous, like I was telling you, you know, and at that time that, that song, no longer slaves, God was just speaking. I'm going to part the Red Sea, but you're going to have to follow me, you know? And I, but I, I got, I got afraid. You know, there was a moment in there, like I was just sitting there one day and it kind of just, you know, that fear will come on you. It's like a wave, you know, it kind of hit you and it's like, Whoa, you know, like, and, and I'm in it while I was in there, I'm teaching a Bible study, you know, because I'm still doing God's work. God's God's like, it ain't just about you going down there to face this. Like there's souls in there in this County jail that I care about that I want you to minister to. And I'm in there doing Bible studies, leading people to Christ while I was in there. And we were in this Bible study one day and having a holy moment. And I, and I told these guys, I'm like, you know what? God loves you so much that he would send a pastor a thousand miles to tell you about his son, Jesus Christ, that he loves you that much, you know, that he loves you that much. And, and, you know, and we're just creating these relationships with these guys in there. And, and that day that I got that fear that came upon me, this young man, he's probably 20 years old came and sat down on my bunk with me and he's like, Hey, I drew this picture. I wanted you to see it. And he opens it up 
And it was, it was the hands of God parting the Red Sea with that scripture from Exodus right in front of it. And God, again, just so present with you. I'm going to do what I told you. You know, you follow me and I'm always, I'm going to, I'm committed. And he was reminding me and he was encouraging me, you know, that I'm, I'm with you, that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And, you know, we go back to the courtroom, you know, I ended up, ended up in that courtroom and uh, he denies that plea. And, uh, and then we get into this dialogue with the judge and the character witnesses come up one after another sharing about my life and, you know, something really miraculous happened uh, that God had done, but I don't want to let the, the cat out of the bag, so to speak, but it is in my book and obviously it is in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can rush if you, if you can't wait for the end of the story, you can get his book behind the wire. Okay. Uh, right. But in the, in the movie, that story of what happens in front of that judge, I'm telling you, you know, I, I, I got to hear what happened and the dialogue that happened with the judge and and you like talk about sitting on the edge of your seat going, well, I, I see right now he's he's not in prison, but I'm telling you, you have to hear the end of the story. So you're going to have to see the movie. You're going to have to really experience it. You guys are going to cry. It's going to wreck you. You're going to get frustrated and angry that they're playing with your emotions. Like, but it's a real story. It's the true story. So so now you're in all all kinds of prisons across the United States, awesome prison ministry, huge prison ministry in your state alone. But now, uh, you know, even even the way God has orchestrated your life is is so fascinating. Even in mm-hmm. our conversation, the first time you and I had a conversation, I was mm-hmm. talking to you about prison ministry. And I said, you know, I'm I relate to you because I'm pretty hardcore myself. I spent 11 hours in Lubbock County lockup, you know, so man, I'm hardcore right here. Cause I got my 11 hours. I made three friends. They wrote me when they got out, you know, so I'm just sharing like what little bit I can relate in that, in that capacity, you know, and I grew up in South central LA for a while. I was jumped into the bloods uh, when I was in fourth grade, I was the youngest member jumped in the blood. So I know that life and that, and that my dad was a drug dealer, uh, went to jail when I was 15. So I know that side of the world and I know how God can bring you out of it. And so we're sharing this, and uh, I said, you know, but I don't I don't have I used to do prison ministry a little bit when I was a teenager while my dad was in because it was a connecting point. Uh, but I said, but I really don't know anyone other than in Lubbock. I know the guy that does all the prison ministry down there. And I started sharing with you about how um, he got trained and equipped in the supernatural here. He went back and prisoners bones started popping back into place like the whole mm-hmm. all of the, the church services, like people were listening to bones crack into place and broken bones were mending and everyone could hear the pops and clicks and like it started a revival there in the prison and the prisoners started praying for each other in their bunk houses and they were getting healed praying for one another not the minister coming in but just praying for one another and it's exploded and i said well i only have two ties to prison ministry one in lubbock and one in omaha and and then it was just like a god encounter happened again and you're like well is it is it your is it your daughter-in-law or is it yeah right My, daughter-in-law yeah lives in Lubbock and you've been trying to, our, our, my yeah, stepdaughter so. your stepdaughter that's right. right stepdaughter lives in Lubbock and you've been trying to figure out an excuse to get yourself down there to be able to visit right. and so just like that he's going to Lubbock I'm going too right. <laughs> I'm going too I got to see this ministry happen 
Yeah, we're going in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll be out there. We're excited. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm I'm super excited. So it was like instantaneously the doors open. I contacted my friend down there that runs that ministry. And he was like, yes, absolutely. Send them. And it just clicked. I'm going to go down there. I'm just going down there to hang out and watch. Like I'll, I'll minister a little, but I'm just more interested in hanging out. So to see this story really come to fruition, like such an amazing, amazing story. Anything else you want to share real quick? Yeah, some, something cool had happened, you know, so, uh, you know, we, you know, after after the book came out, you know, uh, I get a friend request on Facebook and it was my son and he had found me. Wow. And, um, he had found me and it just that wrecked me right there, you know, and then I, I messaged back and I was like, you know, does your mom know about this? And, he, and, and she didn't actually. And I didn't even know that he even knew about me because I had seen him. You know, he's like 12 years old at that time. You know, when, when that when when he was taken from me, it was only a year and a half. So, it, it you know, it had been 10 years since I'd seen him and he had found me. And then, you know, uh, you know, God just really supernaturally came into this thing and worked it out and then got us back face to face and was able to re restore that relationship. You know, a part of my story is, is that even when the judge says you're dead in the water, God still has the final card to play. Come on. God still has the final card to play, you know, and that's a big part of my story. And uh, God restored that relationship. And, you know, and then, you know, the movie production company got a hold of the, 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 the story, my story in the book. And, you know, and then, then that, that movie was made and we're excited about it coming out this year. And, you know, recently, you know, um, we were doing prison ministry in here in Indiana and we were, I was sharing my story in the prison and somebody heard, you know, somebody in the audience heard my story and it, and it touched their life. And they got a hold of my book while they were in on their dorm because we've been able to donate thousands of copies throughout the prison system. And he read it and it touched his heart. And then then his family, he told his family about it. And then his family read my book and his family started following me on social media. And my wife and I at this time, we were just making a transition of working after working in full-time church ministry for nearly 10 years, we were moving into our prison ministry fully behind the wire ministries. And so, you know, we're in this pivotal turning point, you know, this transition in our life and to go fully into prison ministry. And this, this family heard about, you know, through the, through this different organization, this church that was, that was dissolving in this church approached them talking about that they were wanting to dissolve it. And there was a balance on this church and this property with these different buildings and a parsonage and all this. And, you know, they, they thought of me and I didn't know anything about any of this. And I didn't even know that the, the guy that never even came up and said anything that was in prison. So I didn't even know him. And then the family, I never met them, but here's God working out all these details. And they ended up getting a hold of me and uh, they're like, Hey, God's, you know, we feel like God, we're supposed to do this, that we feel like that God is telling us to, to pay the balance of this church and this property with this parsonage and all that, you know, this acre and, uh, and we're to pay the balance on this. And so they can transfer their assets to your organization. So you can have transitional housing for men that are coming out of incarceration. And uh, what an incredible thing, you know, and we're like, what, you know, or say what, you know, so long story short, we ended up, we ended up receiving this property. The Kemp family just blessed us like crazy. And now we're, we're, we're ramping up. We're restoring this whole property and these buildings 
to start providing transitional housing for men that are coming out of incarceration. And for me, that was that is a huge missing link for people like me. You know, yeah. that's burn those bridges that are locked up. They're serious. God's doing big things while they're incarcerated and they need a transition point to come back in to get that shot with those new set of people. And so we're, we're able to start moving in that direction now. We're, we're really blessed and really excited about that. So just more things. God even opened up the door where we're able to do a podcast, a video podcast to the to the whole Indiana Department of Corrections. So every week, my wife and I do a video podcast where they stream it in through the Department of Corrections and they all have tablets they are issued a tablet. So all 20, 27,000 people in the car, incarceration you know, get to, we get to give a, give a lesson every week and they get, they can watch it at, at any point on their tablets. And just what God is doing is just so incredible, just on the influence and just how God has turned around this whole crazy lifestyle into, into doing something, just something so beautiful. Amen. That's so good. Uh, we're going to take a few questions and stuff right after the broadcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Remember, we're talking to Scott Heiberger. And you can grab his book here behind the wire, grab it on Amazon or everywhere that it's around if you want to hear the whole story. But remember, this is going to be a movie released later this year, Pardoned by Grace. His real life story played, uh, his character is played by Joey Lawrence and your pastor is Michael W. Smith in this movie, Michael W. Smith and Joey Lawrence. So guys, this is going to be phenomenal. Don't miss this movie. Grab the book. Uh, I am excited for you guys to see the finale and the conclusion and the final scene of what God does in the courtroom. Uh, it will move you and it's inspirational. And guess what? It's really true because there's the guy. You can see him right there. Uh, and thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to be able to be a part of the extra stuff that happens on DNA of a Dangerous Church, then make sure you're actually watching us live uh, or watching us on YouTube or Facebook or anywhere that we go live. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. And remember, if nobody has told you, I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Thank you for listening to DNA of a Dangerous Church. Be sure to subscribe to the show on CharismaPodcastNetwork.com or iTunes, Spotify, Google, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow Pastor Ren Shuffman on social media and join our mailing list for exclusive bonus training content at www.ffc.church/dangerous. slash